Welcome to the Music Business Podcast. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends, tactics, and insights from some of the world's brightest minds in music. I'm Jordan Williams of EQT Management. And I'm Sam Heisel from Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Jordan, what's good? What's up, Sam? Well, we out here. Another day, another week, another music business podcast episode. Yep, yep. Who today, we got today, man? Very excited. Uh, today, we actually have my business partner, the co-founder and creative director at Knox Media. Um, Matt is a very experienced videographer and content director. He, uh, content director, creative director. He has experience working on big commercial projects for a lot of big brands, uh, Budweiser, uh, list goes on. He used to work at VaynerMedia. He was a senior videographer there. Um, while there, did a lot of these big commercial productions, but was also one of the videographers in the Vayner talent team, which was largely tasked with replicating what Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk has done with his personal brand for other talent, entrepreneurs, musicians. Um, we left Vayner um, about a year and a half ago to start Knox. And since then, I've really just been going all in on really trying to help artists blow up online, quickly grow audiences by strategically creating and distributing content. So I think in today's episode, it's really exciting to hear Matt talk about how he's grown as a creative, some of the different ways that you guys as listeners can think about content as it pertains to your career, your client's career when uh, in blowing up online, different types of content to create, how to streamline the process, what makes content engaging, how to make sure it all ladders back to an aesthetic style. Um, we even get to dive into some of the elements of our culture. What do you think? Yeah, man. I mean, I think one thing that we haven't gone in a lot, I mean, obviously we've gone into digital content, digital strategy at this point a good amount, but not necessarily how to create the content itself. Um, so in this episode, I try to get into Matt's brain just about how he, you know, w- what are the type of things he's thinking about when he takes on a project and how does he create that content for the artist in a way that seems genuine and pure to the artist's brand. So um, I get excited to get into that because, I, you know, that's something that I directly can benefit from for me and my clients. And like I said, we've gone into digital strategy, um, you know, over and over again. And I've, you know, learned a lot from that, from our guests, from you, but him going a little bit more on the creative side is kind of like the other side of the coin in a real way. So for sure. No, I think it was really cool to have him talk about it and definitely do think like content, content, content is, is king for sure. Right. Um, with that said, too, I think it, obviously Knox, we work with a lot of different artists, managers, labels. I mean, if anybody that's listening here wants to talk about content strategy, um, whether it's us just sharing our different kind of perspectives and ways in which you can approach it on your own personal level or uh, whatever may be potentially collaborating, don't ever hesitate to reach out. Uh, you can just either reach out to me directly, Sam at wearenox.co. Uh, you can shoot Matt an email, Matt at wearenox.co, or even better, just go to the wearenox.co website and submit the form and we'll get your message. Um, before we jump into the episode, also super grateful for Bands in Town, Bands in Town, incredible app for helping promote your different shows. Really awesome place. Super grateful we're able to record our podcast here. If you guys haven't already, definitely a great way to help market your shows and get more people to turn out. I know Jordan really actively uses it across all his different artists. I do, I do. But it's also it's also great if you're if you're a listener trying to find new shows. They have a great uh, recommendation engine that actually helps a lot of art, a lot of a lot of people find new musicians to go to in their area. So 
super into bands in town, big fan of bands in town, have been since way before this podcast. And, you know, I'm very excited that we get to record out of their studio. Yeah, for sure. Well, without any further ado, let's get into it. Mr. Matthew Legati. Mr. Matthew Legati, how are we feeling today? Good, sir. Feeling good. Feeling good. So this is a, very excited to have you on. I know we've never met in person before. No, <laughs> um, no honestly, very excited to have you on. It's been a, a pleasure and an honor getting to collaborate with you. So excited to Aww. peel back the curtains here, right. the, the secrets to your magic. Um, so starting with, I think what, one thing that's really interesting about your career is that you've been able to go from this very kind of commercial space, doing a lot of high-end commercial production into... Um, now this like very kind of like run and gun, very efficient, lean production for a lot of these these artists. Um, can you talk a little bit about just kind of your journey as a, a videographer and how, how you've evolved over time? Yeah, totally. Um, so I actually started in like music videos. That was the... Papoose, right? The first. Well, Papoose. You, Papoose. you did a Papoose music video? <laughs> yeah, The Bank, I think it was called. Yo, that's hard, bro. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Dude. And uh, that was... Damn, you did your research on this. Yeah, shit. I just remember. How long ago like, was that? Was that yeah. like peak Papoose? No, that was like like after peak, and then like the come, <laughs> like he was like in the curve where he's like come back up. So I think he's, oh, okay. he's okay. made a good comeback. Brought him back to peak. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Nice touch, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go check it out. I think it's called the Bank. Um, yeah, so that was one of my first like big artists that I worked with. I worked with a lot of like small time New York City like YouTubers who just like were trying to do their covers and a couple of them took off. And like once I started seeing, you know, 100,000 views, 200,000 views, I was like, shit, this is like YouTube is like becoming a thing. And uh, that's what was sparked my 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 drive into like music videos. For sure. What were you uh, what were you shooting with back then? Did you have your own camera or you were renting cameras and stuff? I like I bought this like this crappy Canon DSLR and then like saved up money. I was charging like two fifty for a video. That's cheap as hell, bro. Yeah, I mean it was cash, but you know. Yeah. And then and then uh Papoose is like two fifty shit. No, Papoose paid a little bit he paid a little bit more because okay, he wanted this like crazy content. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got into the commercial side, right? At Vanity you started working with Gary V. Yeah. Yep. So I was uh, I was in college. I was still doing music videos on the side, making some like cash while uh, living in Manhattan. And uh, I was studying graphic design, and I didn't really know like if graphic design was what I wanted to do. Um, and like music videos, just like were paying the bills. So I in my junior year, I applied for a couple of different internships. So I applied for design internships, and I applied for like video internships. Um, one of them was Vayner Vayner Media, obviously. Sam knows. Um, and I started that summer of junior year in college. And uh, how long ago was that? That was probably damn. That was probably like 2014. Where? Yeah. Started as an intern there. That company was Vayner was like growing rapidly. It was like three, four hundred people at the time. Now it's like double. Um, and just like grinding my ass off. Like I would like stay late. I would like commute from Staten Island. It was like it was a bit of a grind, but I think it all it all came to be worth it. Um, and then Knox, yeah, and then Knox. So Vayner, like, four don't years. forget about me, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Vayner for four years. That was like, that was a ton of learning, ton of learning in social media, ton of learning videography. I mean, obviously, I was studying design, so I don't really know like much about it. But I self taught myself a lot, um, and like obviously doing hundred music videos, hundred little YouTube covers. Later, it's like you just learn as you go. 
How big like, was the team at Vayner that you were working with, like every day? The small, the video team at the time. Yeah, yeah. It was like three or four people. Oh, it wasn't that big. Now it's like seventy. Wow. Like, within like two years. Wow. So that was pretty dope. Were you doing video content for Gary himself? So I was doing all branded content. So Budweiser, Pepsi, G, all these like big ass brands that I right. barely even like would be able to touch if I worked at another agency. Right. It was like Vayner at that time as they were growing is like I was able to just leveling up man yeah leveling up as leveling like a up. 19 20 year old like intern i was like editing stuff for child patch kids which is just wow like that's insane. crazy I mean, it's, it's it's insane and they trusted me so i was like shit let's do it but so could you talk about how you evolved to really start i mean i know through vayner talent um we're working with one musician with black coffee and then in, with knox i mean it's been tons of different musicians can you talk a little bit about the some of the differences that you've learned as to how you approach content for big brands versus for artists? Totally. The budgets are obviously <laughs> massive when it comes to big brands. They're a lot bigger than music clients. Uh, they just have money to just spend on this kind of marketing. Um, but also shows because a lot of the times you're renting larger cameras, you have a crew, you have to get everyone to release, you have to get locations released. It's a lot more legit when it comes to just shooting like a YouTube kind of video. You have a lot of more red tape when it comes to legality and what you can do, can't do. You got to be careful when it comes to like logos, mm -hmm. copyrights. You can't use any music that isn't owned by you or licensed by you. Um, and then obviously the budgets are a lot bigger. So you have more room to work with bigger cameras. You have multiple days on location. Uh, you can afford to hire actors and actresses, which is... When you're working with an artist, when do you feel it's valuable to try and aspire to that level of like top of the line production versus when is it just not even worth it and you're just better off? I mean, it just doesn't make financial sense to, right. to mm -hmm. shoot for that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting now with TikTok, especially like the way the artists are just going viral based on like a trend. Mm -hmm. So I think most importantly, other than like the level of production and how big the budget is, I think it's like the concept. So what is the concept of of your video, what are you trying to like achieve? What's the goal of the artist? Who are you trying to hit? And then like reverse engineering, like we do at Knox. Um, and it's like, what is the goal of the song? What is the what is the demographic of the song? What's the vibe of the song? And then figuring out, all right, how are we going to hit those that demographic? Right. Yeah. Um, so you can have you can have a zero. You can have no budget. You can have like a friend shoot a video on a phone. I mean, I actually just seen. A video that I shot on an iPhone that looked pretty damn professional and uh, you couldn't even tell but just the concept alone like drove it and made it you know yeah, have for traction sure. I mean I even know too a lot of times with artists that we see it's like if stuff is overproduced even for like recap videos sometimes a raw clip from a performance showing a hype moment of a song with good crowd energy will vastly outperform a super polished and well-produced recap video just because it, it has this more like raw, authentic feel and people don't want to ever feel like they're being marketed to. And the more production you put, the sometimes sometimes you're making a trade-off for authenticity. Do you think that branding for the artists also has to do with how much you want it to look over I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, well-produced or not as well-produced? For example, like, you know, I'll just name some artists yeah. off the top of my head. Like Kendrick Lamar, for example, I feel like when he puts videos out, like people expect like quality, quality, mm -hmm. 
videos, music, just because he's kind of put his career on the line and his brand on the line for that. You know, when we come, when we, when we hear his albums, it's like art, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But totally. Tyler, the creator, for example, we obviously expect quality quality from him too, but he had a whole TV show that looked like it was shot from yeah. a camcorder. I mean, you even know what Doja I mean? So it's just a little bit different. Doja Cat had that video that made her go viral about the cows. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like shot on like a green screen and just right. a bunch of like meme kind of content in the background. Right, right. And that shit blew her up. So I think it's it's definitely timing and then it's like the concept. If you have a if you have the right concept behind a video, I think, and of course the right PR and the right connections to get people to see it, that would definitely help. Um that's more important than a large scale budget nowadays. I think. Yeah. Right. Right. I think I think with the clients that I work with, um, we're getting every day a a, a lot more a lot more uh, strict with how we spend the money because it's just so easy to shoot content now with a good concept. You know, we've even, we've even shot like sort of, I don't want to say upscale, but we even shot like a kind of expensive video and then purposefully made it look like it wasn't that expensive. Just cause, just that's because that's shit. Yeah. Like, where you shoot on like, like a red camera and then you like make it for IGTV or IG stories. And it's right. Like, Wait a second. Right. 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 A lot of money on that camera, but right. But you learn, you learn from it, you know? Yeah. You so. definitely learn from it. Yeah. And it, it allows more flexibility. The, the most important thing when you're shooting like a red or like these big cameras, it's like you can zoom in, you can fix things in post that might mm-hmm. you might not like or the artist might not like. Um, and that's like, the, that's probably the biggest value of shooting like an AK kind of camera that shoots like this massive size. That's just. What do you top. think is like the sweet spot for artists? Like, you know, that they can go out to the store and get on a fairly like, okay, budget or fairly like, you know, medium sized budget mm-hmm. and then still create great content. Like what's Yeah. A lot of people ask me that. They you know, they're always looking for the best like DSLR camera. Right. The best like cinema camera. I think I know people that just look for the most expensive. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know it's why. Like, it's, it's like, oh, like, is this six thousand dollars? It the must camera, be good. Yeah. <laughs> the camera's not the most important thing. I don't think. I think I think you can get the newest iPhone and you could save some money and you can invest in things like lighting mm-hmm. and like pick up some Philips U-bulbs and put them in the studio and like just start shooting shit in the studio. I think that's like, that'll produce some great content just starting there. And then obviously as you scale up and, and you get a videographer, then you want to have something a little more serious. I think the Sony a7 III is a, is a solid DSLR camera. It shoots great video, great photo. And I think it's like the middle range of cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a step up from like the iPhone 11. But about like 3K. Yeah, three K, three yeah, three four thousand after you get like lenses, and that's like, that's like the industry standard for a camera. I mean, when I first started, it was like the Canon five D Mark III, and that shit is still around, and that's like a ten year old camera that people are still shooting on. Um, so I think the A seven III, the Sony A seven III, is the is the the new right. industry standard. You brought up um, iPhones. Are there any like? good apps or anything people should people on small budgets look should look for if they're trying to shoot a yeah, video yeah. or any side content um adobe they have their premiere iphone edition i think it's called premiere rush that's pretty mm-hmm. good um there's another app called splice splice is pretty solid i think they're both free or on the cheaper end um when it comes to like photo obviously visco is like one of the best they just have yeah all the filters visco yeah 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 um and I would say, even then, like the concept of a photo, like think about 
you know, composition, think about like what's in the background, where are you when in that photo, who's in the photo with you. Like that is also like you could just post an organic, like no filtered photo and like that the concept is still the, the priority. Right. Over, like what do you what tools are you using to shoot it or what tools are you using to edit it? I think that like that comes first. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah. So when it comes to style and artists developing a unique style, can you talk about uh, like a process you'd recommend artists go through in order to identify their style and ways that they can be intentional about having some level of consistency across all the content they create? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if it's a first time artist who's like just starting off, I think it's like, it's good to look to other artists and sort of reference what they're doing. Obviously not like copying them. Um, I mean, what we do is like at Knox is we pull together like a mood board of, of, just different photography, different videos, different colors that we like, um, and pulling that in together into like one or two pages. I think that's important. Um, and then really making sure that like all your content that you're shooting and creating looks to this par that you're setting, uh, setting it out to be. Um, I mean, some people only shoot at night. They want like this certain like darker vibe. So that's like important to them. Some people shoot only the daytime because they are more of like a pop artist or they have a brighter sound so you want that even to like come into your content um mood boards are definitely important having just a a general sense of like what kind of typography you're going to use what kind of colors and making sure that stays consistent um whether it's like stage visuals or content or like print content or print ads or whatever it may be like keeping it all consistent is like super important for a brand and making sure that like if you hire a designer that they're using the same kind of same kind of fonts and same kind of colors. Um, yeah, I would say referencing other artists is important. Super important to like like no idea is original. It's obvious like everyone's I mean you can always change it up a little bit and make it original, but like you gotta start from some from some kind from of influence. Yeah, from some kind of influence. Yeah. I mean you look at the weekend, he you know, people compare him to Michael Jackson or, mm-hmm. you know. He had a Dirty um, Diana remix. Yeah, exactly. So I think every artist can can appreciate other artists' originality and, and evolve from that. That's awesome. I think one other thing, too. I mean, I love how we, for a lot of artists, too, will create the, uh, like, flyer. I mean, because, A, you have the level of consistency across your own channels, but then thinking about consistency across other people's channels too is valuable. So for like a lot of the artists will create like artwork templates where they're then giving templates for upcoming shows to promoters to localize. So that way there's this level of like consistency. We do that with, uh, yeah. we, we do that with ad mats too for, for tour posters with our artists. We come out with the tour poster ourselves and then we send the tour poster without any dates on it, send them the font, yeah. yeah. Um. Anything that they may need, so they can. Yeah. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So they can, you know, keep it on brand. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Super valuable. I think artists should consider that, as, especially as they get more leverage with promoters. Totally. I think early on, it's might not be an option, but never hurts to try. So when we're thinking about like types of content, I know a lot of times people default to just oh, we just gotta come up with this big music video, and sure yeah. that's awesome, but then it's like if you're not posting for like two months while your head's down working on music in this music video. You're going to release the music and music video to crickets 99 times out of 100. Whereas on the flip side, the, the value of being consistent on socials creates this foundational fan base, this community that acts as the springboard for all those releases. 
Um, can you talk about what are some, I mean, I know, and Knox, we refer to them as like content streams, mm-hmm. but can you talk about different buckets of content that you think all artists should consider? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think the most important thing is like documenting. I know we learned a lot of this from Gary Vee, but like documenting what you're doing. Like if you're in the studio, get out a camera, get out your iPhone, like just start creating content right there. That's the easiest way. Um, if you have a show, obviously that's like a big moment. You want to like, if you have a friend who has a camera, have him shoot it. If you're just starting out, if you can afford to have a videographer, get a videographer to capture those moments. Obviously any kind of tours are, are super important to capture. And, and like you see them, like you can tell when an artist on tour, they're just posting like every day. And then they go into this like phase where they're just like in the studio and they stop posting. Like why, why stop posting? You know, it's like keep capturing that content because your, your community wants to see that. Um, so definitely studio stuff behind the scenes. Um, I mean, what makes also like what makes you different from other artists? Like, are you doing like special meditations? Are you doing like workouts? Like what kind of vocal training are you doing? Like that kind of stuff is really aspiring to to your community and people. Yeah, I think that's a line that at least some of my clients have had to had to walk as best as they could in terms of making yourself vulnerable to the public and and being um, vulnerable in order to attract engagement and then, you know, making yourself feel insecure or mm-hmm. or like you're revealing some part of your story that you don't want people to know about or you're letting people into the creative process when that's like really personal to you. Um, so um, at least the way I interpret that is like figuring out what you're willing to give up to people um, in order to inspire engagement. Because I, I have a few clients right now that like, I'm not going to talk to people about how I yeah. make music. <laughs> like I can't, yeah, yeah. I can't right now. You know, I mean, then you so, have you have people like Frank Ocean who like never post on social media. Or yeah, well, like, he used to. He, he came. To, he yeah. came out on Tumblr. He used to. He yeah, used to post. True. He used to post on Tumblr. He disappeared for a little bit. You know, yeah. barely anybody lives in a in a vacuum now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think those people that um, generally don't post too much, I feel like at some point they did, and that's why they can do that. Sort you know what I mean? Too much, yeah. Right. They can. They people got to know them, and then and then they took a step back. So now people want more. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And that's why every time he releases a album or something. Yeah, yeah man. Up. Yeah, man. Yeah. So when people are thinking about content, what are things people should keep in mind or tactics to create engaging, high-performing content? Something that shoots like every time you create something, Damn. it's like, we got to make sure <laughs> I it, wish it, I, it, I it mean, these markers. The most important thing right now in this, I mean, obviously social media is always changing and, you know, this might be outdated in like a month. But right now is like the first three seconds, first five seconds. What are you doing in that video that's going to capture the eye of somebody who's scrolling Instagram or TikTok? Um, it's got to be captivating. You have to like really catch the eye of someone. And then after those three seconds, it's like, all right, what's the rest of the story that you're telling in this clip or in this? I mean, photos are a little bit tougher, but in this video clip, like what are you telling in the middle part that can then keep people around. Um, whether it's a dope recap video, it's got a lot of high energy, the beats, like the cut is is going to the beat. Um, and then obviously the ending, you just need a, a solid close out. And that's like, that makes the, as far as like video concepts and, and editing, it's like, all right, the first three seconds are priority and then like keep people around and then close it out solidly. Cool. Did I answer the question? Yeah, I thought you answered my question. <laughs> I keep I'm already <laughs> thinking of ways that I can make my artists specifically yeah, Jordan, shoulder what, content. What like about that. your content? What are you, you, are you posting content? 
Oh, me? <laughs> I need to get better at it for real. I need, to, yeah. I need to do that. I need to do that. I mean, you guys are doing this podcast. So that's that's a, that's a good start already. Music business podcast. There you is go. Posting content. Shout out to Noah. Shout My out. My man Noah. Killing it. Um, What do you do to prepare to work with an artist in terms of like capturing their brand in a, in a, in a genuine way on, on mm-hmm. film? You like go back and look at their previous content. You interview yeah, yeah. them. What type, what type of stuff you do? So I guess it's different for each artist, but some, I mean, the best thing to sometimes do is just talk to the artist and see like, what do they feel? If you have the access to them, like what are they feeling? Um, if it's a music video, like do they have ideas about the video or just certain things that they want to touch on within the video and then start there. If it's, um, if you're just like coming up with a concept out of boo, it's like, all right, what if, if you were the artist and you were like coming up with a concept for this song or for this video, um, what, what would it be about, you know? And then just like trying to keep it original. And um, what was the question again? <laughs> like, how do you prepare to work with an artist and their brand before, yeah. and, like, and, and portraying that accurately on camera? Mm-hmm. Definitely looking at their past content, seeing what, they, what they've been doing, what they like doing. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, like talking to them specifically and like seeing like, do they have a vision for this content they want to create specifically, or can we just run free and, you know, see what's trending or, or which one would you prefer? Somebody to be like, yo, do whatever you want, bro. Or or sometimes, sometimes I'd rather have the artist who's like, all right, I want this. And like, you can like, these are the parameters that I want. So like, it's gotta be shot outside in LA um, in the daytime and then you can just get creative for the rest you know but if they just give you like run wild and sometimes they come back and they're like well this wasn't my vision <laughs> and then you're like shit like maybe you should have told me your vision beforehand but I mean it's always a good learning experience right right it's always good you talk about how you, I mean just given your experience uh, us being in that situation a lot of times where sometimes <laughs> the vision is a mystery but I think Overall, we have gotten a lot better at streamlining the workflow to cut down on those miscommunications. Um, so that way our time isn't spent making revisions, but instead we're just able to consistently dial in on exactly what the vision is and crank out more content. Can you talk about advice that you have or things that you've learned in your experience with working with creatives and working with artists that could be helpful for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, stay positive. That's like, it's so like you guys, the, the goal of the artist and the goal of you is always to create the best content you can create. Um, so if there is a miscommunication within an artist and you or as a marketer or, or anybody, um, it's like, all right, how can, like, let's move past that. How can we solve the, the issue, the problem? Um, and then just try and like communicate as much as possible. So like, all right, if they have a vision, get it out in writing, send it over to them come back like it's approved then let's move instead of like moving first and shooting the content and then getting all this content or a photo shoot and then coming back and be like all right now we have to fix it because then that's just going to cause everyone a headache and causes more money and no one likes that um that's yeah that summarizes it yeah 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 um so sam you can obviously answer this as well but like you know how do you how do you guys how do you guys approach people? How do you choose your clients? How do you keep your clients happy? What is what are some things that you do? You know, especially if you're a videographer right now, I get emails every day from people that want to make videos for my clients or shoot, you know, 
content for my clients? What what are some things that you guys do in order to you know to to turn some of those leads into actually actual clients and how you keep them happy? Yeah, he like bro. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. No, okay, yeah. I mean we're in the holiday time, no, so I mean, it's I like think, yeah. On is kind of the person that spearheads a lot of the, like the business development stuff. I yeah. think, um, I mean, a lot of it's doing great work for our existing clients. Mm-hmm. So that way we can turn those guys into case studies, build credibility, get referrals. Right. Uh, when it comes to keeping clients happy, I mean, create impact and value high touch account management. I think um, like you can be the smartest marketer in the world and create amazing content. But if you're not, if you don't have efficient and effective communication with the client, you're not showing progress, you're not showing updates, you're not showing yeah. that you're trying and testing new things and being yeah. proactive. Yeah. It's all for not. Um, and then on the flip side too, it's like people will have great ideas, but if they don't actually get the buy-in from their clients or, or from the teams that they're working with, that can also just make it impossible to drive results. I think, yeah, um, yeah I guess do great work. I mean, Matt helps oversee a lot of like the content production side. So it's getting people excited about the content. And then ultimately too, it's like making sure that we're really focused not only on our clients, but on, on their fans. Cause those are the people that we're really trying to like engage, make happy, right. build audiences right. around. Um, yeah. Another way is just like getting out there and networking. I think like some of the best clients that we've gotten or the easiest clients we've gotten is like through word of mouth. I mean, I think in this industry is like, in the music industry specifically, like once you get out there and start like getting into different groups of the music industry, like I think we go to events and we just see like people that we know through other people. And it's like, you just start building that network. And, and that's like super important to getting new clients. I mean, yeah, that's like big. Stay on top of mind. Yeah. Engaging. Right. Dope. Send them Christmas cards or holiday cards. Yeah. yeah. You do that. On for good real? cards. We're sent. We're, we got to send it out today. Got to finish Sam? it right after this Damn. episode. Damn. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's tight. Happy the holidays. Per- the personal touch, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I might get one. There Dude. it is. Yeah. Shoot me one, oh, bro. Oh, shit. Maybe. I just spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were going to give you one, but now that you asked. Now, now no, we're going to rip it up. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to rip it up. That shit was already written, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Um, and y'all both can ask this one, too. Um, at what point do you think it makes sense for an artist to have, like, a regular videographer? Like how early in their career? Good, bro. Um, I mean, if they're do uh, the first tour, I think is like a good point. Headlining tour, opening tour. I, I guess the the real answer is like when they can start affording it. Like yeah. If you start profiting as an artist and and you're making some good money and you want to reinvest into the company, into your brand as a as an artist, I think that's like that's a pretty big step, a pretty big role to fill. Um in the team and the artist team. I think, I mean, what we're seeing now is like TMs, tour managers and videographers or photographers. Yeah. I've, I've had one of those super, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting, interesting space. If you can get somebody who can tour manage and shoot content for you. I mean, mm-hmm. you kill, I don't want to say kill two birds, one stone. That seems impossible. It, if, you're, uh, if you're doing either one well, it requires a lot of fucking undivided attention and focus. I mean, no, it kind of it kind of depends. Like we, you know, I hire tour managers who also do front of house. Yeah. So like, you could say the same thing about that. How they gonna mix the master to the record oh, live? Yeah, true. And TM live at the same time. It's because once the show starts, relatively, at least from my experience, there's not too much for the TM mm-hmm. to do unless something goes. Unless wrong. the sound goes wrong. And then if the sound goes yeah, wrong, it's their the, fault. Yeah, unless the sound goes wrong, that, that could it. be one. But like, you know, it's a similar thing with 
with the videography. If you yeah. if you've if you've primed somebody beforehand, or if you have a, a front of house person that you trust, mm-hmm. then at that point the TM is just, you know, waiting for stuff to go wrong. Well yeah. while that happens, they can shoot some content, you know. I do yeah. think like videographers that are dedicated to it are gonna be, you know, in and out of the crowd, on the mm-hmm. side of the stage. And that could get in the way of something that a TM might have to do. But um, you know, we had a whole recap made for one of our clients uh from the TM from two from two artists. Yeah. So it can happen. I think it could, I think that's like a new role that's going to be, especially for artists who are opening up for tours. Yeah, it's not as big of a deal if like if something goes wrong. Um, or the setup is just a lot smaller. It's just if you're smaller. Opening. Yeah, yeah. It's not a large band. Um, I do I think, think once you get to a certain point, though, yeah, it may not yeah, make yeah. sense no, to do that. And it's just that, not you know a good look saying? either. Yeah, like you yeah, don't want to yeah, have like, like your TM like also running around with the camera. That's just right. You right. Have somebody like. Yeah. you know to go to to answer your question though is when it's the right time to hire i mean i think as early as possible kind of yeah. per matt's point i think a lot of the music game right now is how you can build an audience online and get those people to listen to your music and i think building the audience a lot of times is is through this actual content that can be used to help showcase your your personality and, and gain followers and attention across social media and then those people become listeners i think even you look at somebody like the baby who's had this like made, I was about to say his yeah. videographer is doing exactly. well he's had, a, he's had <laughs> his videographer the baby has is crushing a, a it major yeah, yeah. set this year in 2019 but if you really look into it like he's had this team that's been cranking out content in tandem with him i think we've seen a very similar thing happen with black coffee where over the course of the past 3 years he's gone from being this like underground house act to becoming a headliner at like major festivals selling right. out hard ticket shows at yeah. major venues around the world i think it's and even when Lionel came on and he was talking about it, it was making this investment into content. I feel like that's how you can like really accelerate the growth and trajectory of your career because what is the foundation of your artist career? Fans. What's one of the best ways to acquire fans? Create content so you can get in front of people via social media because that's where all the attention is. So I think even in our experience too, sometimes it's like we're working with artists that have a lot of budget and they're already generating a lot of revenue and profit around their career. On the other side, we have artists that are like, they have a unique team around them already. Maybe it's a financier or something. Yeah. And they, they consider this to be a smart investment because right. if they really want to go all in and try and help break this artist. And an essential piece of that equation is the, the social content side. Right. Yeah. And what do all, you think? My bad. Yeah. What do I think? Yeah. Um, I think the earlier, the better. I think the the quicker that people can get to know you specifically, I think the better, even if it's coming from an iPhone, you know, I don't necessarily think a videographer is necessary. Even if you have a homie that can do it It, from from the beginning, I think that's like a way to get the content out. I think artists too, that are like super early neglect creating their own content. And I think at those earliest stages of your career, like, I don't want to say that that should, it definitely shouldn't necessarily be the majority of your time, but like, you should make sure you're allocating time on either a daily or weekly basis towards creating content. You should be yep. posting multiple times per week across all priority platforms. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, man. And the artists are getting good at it too. Dude, I'm going to shout out my, my homies Fly By Midnight. They shoot their own videos. They edit their own videos. They record their own music. Like those two guys, I know I always bring them up with Sam, but like they are literally doing it all themselves and like they're just committed to it. So if you could find... The time to like create your own content, create your own music, or if they could find the time, then anybody could find the time because right. they're they're doing a lot of shit at the same time. So, right, they're creating everything um, and creating the music. Yeah, which is amazing. And also to just 
finish off this point, but like think about the documentary that you'll have, like the baby. I don't he doesn't have a documentary yet, does he? Nah, he could yeah, though. Yeah. He could. But think about so much content, all this content, right? like yeah, as he's building from the start. Like that documentary on Netflix is gonna be fucking huge because right. like all this like exclusive content that hasn't been pushed out because maybe he is getting too vulnerable and like he doesn't want to put it out for his image, but like that shit's gonna be that investment of money into that. Video content will be like will pay off in the end. I mean, partially it already has. Did you guys see him? Uh, he had to miss a show in his hometown, and then he actually performed over Facetime. Really? Yeah, I don't think anything could happen like that unless his fans already felt very close to him. And I yeah, think a lot yeah. of that happened through social media and and just you know connecting with fans on a real mm-hmm. level across the board. Did they get so. a refund or they just? Yo, they showed up. They were in. They were in. They were literally in. (laughs) He's like, I ain't giving a refund. I'm going to just FaceTime these motherfuckers. I'm going to still get the That was a business decision. Nah, I think he he did because he said he was going to have another show. So I actually don't think it was a refund. I think it's like, we're just going to have another show. New date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, new date. Um, Cool. What do you think are like the most important moments to capture? Like if you had to be like, yo... You had this. I mean, any big collaborations. I think collaborations. Like, I think it's like when it's the first time you're going to a studio with someone who's maybe a little bit bigger than you. It's a little bit intimidating to like have a camera around, but like any way that you can like capture that moment is is huge. Because then when the song comes out, you have this content from the studio that like is all this behind the scenes content that you have. You can release with the song. Um, I wait till the horn stops. <laughs> New York City, man. Yeah. Right here. New York yeah. City. We're in New York City. Typically, yeah. <laughs> um, we roll, but since Matt's got the ear yeah, for production, yeah. <laughs> Matt don't talk over the horn. Yeah, <laughs> he like that'll be bad to mix later. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, tours. Your first tour. I mean, big headline tours. That's like big moments. You should be capturing every single day of that. Um, I th- I'm trying. I think we we said pretty much. The biggest parts like studio tours, behind the scene moments. Am I missing anything? I mean, challenge it, like challenging parts of a person's yeah. life, like vulnerability. Yeah, the vulnerable moments. Um, I think the, yeah, just the general like interests outside of music, like yeah. lean into totally. the person and the, their personality beyond just themselves as a musician. And give like but, a whole picture of the person. And then I think yeah. the last thing too is like create the moment. Like so much of what we do is like, okay, we've got two hours of time with this artist, what are all the ideas we can do? I mean, one of the artists that we work a lot with, Mime, who's got a little bit more time flexibility, even though he's in an earlier stage of his career, we had a shoot, we had a, a show at Webster Hall in New York a couple of weeks ago, and we literally just created this big list of different skits and then literally spent six hours ahead of the show just running around town trying to capture and crank out all these different skits. Right. Some of these skits were were timely trends on TikTok. Other things were just funny things we felt we could pull off given that he's a mime and wears a mime mask. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, look at all those moments. But beyond that, too, just like be creative and create the moment. Come up yeah. with your own concepts. And show your personality. I mean, if you're a quiet person, you have different ways of showing that. But like mime is a is a funny dude who just like likes to do random shit behind the mask and i think that's like we really like push on that and try and like push it to the max right yeah especially on tiktok i mean we could do a whole fucking episode on tiktok currently in its state but like that shit if you're not on tiktok i know it's weird right now with all the little kids and like the cringe moments but like as an artist i think you gotta get on tiktok that's like number one takeaway Mm-hmm. It's a big one. It's a big one. 
I got some more questions, but Sam, I'm gonna see if you, you know. It's funny because I'm interviewing you, but y'all are partners. So I mean, that's it's it. like they kind of, you know, you both can kind of answer. It's kind of like yeah, how yeah. me and me and Ramya were on at yeah, the same yeah. time, Go you know. Ahead. Um, what do you, what do you guys think is unique about like Knox culture? Let you go first as the guest. So actually, we, Sam and I developed something, uh, the three P's of Knox. The three P's. Three P's. I don't know the order. Paper. No. Listen, do not. That's not true. It's not all about the money. It's not all about the money. All right. I mean, I pays the bills, but like, I think in, in no specific order, it's positivity, productivity. And paper. No, and paper. No. And like, don't positivity, that, productivity, and proactivity. All right. Mm. So it's like. All right, how do we keep a positive mindset through the ups and downs? That's like big. How do we be as productive? Like, you know, work smart, not hard. I think that's the line. <laughs> smarter, not harder. Work smarter, not harder. That's like, that's well, big for us. Yeah, pulling up the culture doc because we've actually go. kind of memorialized like a handful of different values yeah. internally. But I think building upon what Matt was saying, I think we were really touched by it. Like, we've worked with some really cool people like Cy Wakeman, oh, yeah. Ray Dalio. Shout out Cy Wakeman. Um, Billy U. Yeah. So these yeah. are, these are, a couple of like titans in industry, like Ray Dalio, literally founded the world's biggest hedge funds. Yeah, net worth sixteen billion dollars. Got the for- got the chance to work with him while at Vayner, helping him launch the book Principles. He, one of his cornerstone like foundational values is this notion of radical transparency. Yeah, and um, being radically open minded. So the way, and also too for you guys listening to this podcast, he recently uh, he's friends with Diddy, and Diddy. There's an interview that just published. It's about 20 minutes long where Diddy is actually interviewing Ray Dalio. Yeah, I saw that. It came Diddy, up on my he, YouTube. He's his mentor. And it, one of the things Ray kind of leads off with, which goes back to this like radically open-minded radical transparency, is this notion of being radically open-minded is, is having a belief, believing your belief, but being very open to the fact that other perspectives may be more valuable and that you could be wrong. Right, And I think it's easy for us to default and have egos come in the way where if there is some sort of negative feedback, you try and be defensive. You try and stand your ground, protect your position rather than this notion of radical yep. open-mindedness and, and welcoming in feedback. Because I think to the extent like you're doing somebody a disservice by not giving them productive, valuable feedback. And a lot of times people are either holding back on that feedback or they are delivering that feedback and it's just not being received well. So I think internally at Knox, we've done a really good job at like making that a foundational element of our culture where we're all very receptive to productive feedback. We can literally call each other out. We do it in a, a way. In a positive. Where, we do it in a positive way. One of the, the <laughs> you No, know, you can't just be like, oh, you're, you're fucking up. Like, cause then that just, that ruins people's morale and shit. So right, like, right. You yeah. gotta be like, all right, this is what you did good, but like, this is where we can improve. And I think that's important as a leader. Yeah. Right, right. right. In, the, in the culture doc, it's, um, we should be openly receptive to productive feedback and use it as an opportunity to grow and leave our egos at the door. When sharing constructive feedback, seek first to empathize and always look to frame and drive feedback from a place of care, growth, and positivity. Yeah, and that, that largely came out of my ass just being like, yo, why are you fucking up, fam? No, no, no. Yeah, and I was like, I would DM Sam like, yo, you got to chill, bro. Because that shit, especially when it, got, when it comes to like email, like you can't tell people's, and it's so, not just Sam. You contractors or something like that? No, I mean, yeah, just people, people yeah. not even that, but sometimes if you're just snappy with your feedback and you're not really making it, you're not being overtly coming from this place of care and empathy, then it can just sound like you're nagging people. Um, but I think it's a fine line because at the end of the day, I mean, we don't want to, we don't, we want to uplift people and inspire people, 
Um, but at the same time, too, we don't want to like water everything down. So I think we are in a place in our company where we've been able to really internalize that well. And I think within teams, too, it's like if a lot of the times teams break apart or things don't work is because people, these concerns bubble up and it gets to a point where they erupt and explode. So I think if there's not a fit at a time, like that's okay, but I'd much rather make sure that we've been very transparent about those concerns, working to address them before letting it kind of bubble up and get out of control. Right. Right. Cool. cool. And I'm sure within the music industry, there's a shit ton of that, like egos. I mean, drama, like, What's what's some kind of stuff you've seen like between managers and shit? You don't have to mention names, but um, I think I think just um, the thing that I value is being honest um, in a way that doesn't detract from people's morale. Like you guys mm-hmm. are saying, yeah, yeah. Um, at least from what I've seen in the music industry, not necessarily at places where I've worked, but places I've seen. Yeah, you know, maybe companies we work with or companies my friends work at where. Um, the ego will drive the the. Um, it'll drive the criticism mm-hmm. as opposed to empathy or compassion. So um, I've heard of people throwing shit at other people when they, you know, didn't do the work that they wanted or question if they're even right for this career yeah. when they didn't do the work that they they wanted. And I've had some I've had some big fuck ups, too. Everybody does. But mm-hmm. I do think a leader is somebody who takes those fuck ups. And then turns them into something productive. It's a learning you know? experience. Exactly. That's and that's Every why time. that's why the concept of like fucking up to me isn't even, you know, a horrible thing. Cause yeah. it's like people, people gotta do it, you know. Yep. And you know, luckily at the position that I've been in, at the companies that I've been in, um, those fuck ups or those failures mm-hmm. um have been treated with respect, even, you know. It's like you messed up because you're overambitious, or you messed up because um you know, you may not have been thinking too much at this time, but why is that? Let's figure that out. Let's problem solve that together and then grow together, you know? Yeah. And yeah. not only that, but I think um, if you if you detract from people's morale when you give them criticism, you're not thinking about the overall goal of the company, mm-hmm. which is to be successful, yeah, for you sure. know? So. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> shit. He's I'm trying to, I'm trying to deflect. <laughs> What's it like working with Sam? I mean, it's been what a year, a year yeah, and a I half. Mean, well, at I mean, Knox, I, at Knox, and then yeah. Worked at Vayner before. It's that. been like a solid three years working together. I think even at Vayner, you could like, talk. You could say he's a piece of shit. shit. All right, I won't, say, I won't look at him say, when I'm no, saying that. I work with him too, bro. Listen, yeah, you're going. You're going after. We'll talk some shit up. I can't wait till that video comes out. I mean, listen, you just clapping at the. Just making a boomerang. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, micro listen, content. Every partnership has good and bads. I mean, it's like it's like getting into a relationship with someone when you're starting a business with someone. I think for the most part, we've been civil. We've been like able to communicate openly. Like like Sam has said, like um, it's been pretty good. I don't think we've ever we haven't had maybe a couple heated arguments, but it's only driven by passion. And I think we both have the same passion to like do the best work that we can do. And of course, make a little bit of money while doing that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good, it's a good dynamic. Every time we tell someone, it's like Sam runs strategy, I run creative. I mean, it's just a good mix of like, all right, he leads clients when it comes to like, what do they need? What's the, what's the, the goal of the client? And then I lead the creative side of the, of the 
content. And that's really what I love to do. And I think Sam, obviously I know Sam loves to, to really think high level and like, all right, what's the best way to like create this content and do this kind of stuff. And I'm just there like, all right, what's the best kind of like TikTok video we can create or, or like best kind of music video we can create. Um, so I think it's a good mix and it's, it's been working well and I think it'll, it'll work well for years to come and hopefully. Oh yeah. Although I am moving to LA, so we're, we're breaking up a little. No, I'm kidding. We're going long distance now. So we'll see how it works. We'll do another update in 2020. Um, <laughs> I How, well, what about you, Jordan? How's, how's it been working with Sam as a as a co-host? Oh, it's my turn now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm yeah. no, Sam. Sam is very creative, and the thing I like the most about Sam is he's a hustler. So I'm yeah. sure I'm sure you have the same experience with him. I think Sam pushes me in a lot of different ways oh, yeah. to to be a better host, to think of the music business podcast not just as a community, but also as a business. You know, yeah. something that could eventually grow into something larger than ourselves. So sure. um, that's my that's my experience with Sam. You know. You got any I sponsors? Fuck with you, Sam. Oh, thanks. I fuck yeah, with you, man. Hey. <laughs> and so what I, what do I think about Sam? <laughs> <laughs> Gets on a mirror. <laughs> my, my Kanye moment. <laughs> Sam is the dopest motherfucker. <laughs> no, but uh, Who, no. who's the best leader ever? <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Sam. Sam <Yeah>. and Sam. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just learning. Uh dope. Well. All right, hot takes. This is our favorite segment of the show. Bringing where, it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these aren't, these, are, these are tend to actually be like lukewarm takes. <laughs> you can't say that from the beginning. Wait, wait, wait. Retake, retake, retake. No, no, no. All right. These are, these are room temp takes. Oh my God. Hot no. takes. Copperheaded. Uh, they're essentially things that we hear, the rumors. He no, said, no. she said. Things in the industry. That we um, may or may not believe. I'm turning yeah. it hot again. We yeah. may or may not believe hot this. Hot or not. Yeah. Right, but right. But we want to get your perspective. But don't assume we don't believe this. Because we may. I'm so confused. Do you guys believe this <laughs> or not? The baby's got the best content team <laughs> oh, ever. Jesus <laughs> no. How many, how many times have you mentioned the baby on this podcast? Yeah, do, okay. a, do a ticker. <laughs> do a ticker on like a video like the baby, the baby. One, two, yeah, three. All right. All right. He used to come into the podcast. Honestly, content efforts are they hot or not? Definitely hot. They got him to where he is. But honestly, I have to. I don't really know who his videographer is. I guess I got real goats, bro. I guess I got. I got to dig in more. Real spelled with R E E L. Clever ass name for a production. Oh, that's the name. Oh, that's actually kind of hard. It's real. Well, they're killing it. So they ought to go real hard. Video content is frequently overproduced and not worth the budgets that videographers often demand. All right. As a videographer, this is this is tough because this is like what has paid my bills. And like, I don't want to say that like cheap content is good content. So I'm going to say it's true and false or hot or not or hot take, whatever the fuck you want to say. Um, <laughs> I think there's a place and a time to put money into a music video or a documentary kind of series. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's a time and place where you could just like create some fire viral, like viral content on TikTok. And it's just stems to like the concept of what you're trying to do. Um, I mean, if you're trying to like create a green screen animated, like wild ass video and you do it for like a couple thousand dollars, I would love to see it because I'm curious how good or bad it is. But um, I think you just got to be realistic with your budgets. Like, if you have a fire con- if you have a fire concept and like you don't need a crazy camera and a crazy like production value to to get shit done, I think you can you can still go viral or you can still create like some some 
moving content with the right. iPhone camera. Right. Um, but then people, then sometimes people are like too caught up on the price of the camera and they don't even think about like what they're doing on video. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like, it comes back to like the concept, like come up with the concept first, have an idea of a budget and then shoot with that budget in mind and like obviously change your concept a little bit if you don't have a big budget, but. Um, does that Word. answer my hot take? Is that is that what yeah, a hot nah. take? <laughs> nah, that's what it is. All right. Videographers generally don't focus enough on the artist brand when creating video content. Damn, now you guys are just dissing us, huh? Um, that's the whole point. It's hot <laughs> as shit. It's piping hot shit. take. Um, I don't know. This one's tough. We coming for the jugular. That's what we do on the music videographers podcast. Don't, we take risks. Videographers don't focus enough on the artist. Concepts, artist brand with creating brands. video content. I mean, it's definitely important. I think you can tell the artists who have their videographers who work with them over a certain amount of years, months. Um, they learn who they are as a person. They like grow with them, which is probably why the real goats work with the baby. Um, they understand him. They know what he wants before he even wants it, or they just shoot stuff and he loves it. Um, but it's definitely. Imp- I give you for the first time you work with an artist, like do your research. Do mm-hmm. like know who you're working with. Like, look, watch up some some interviews. Uh, look at what kind of content they're creating. If you're gonna work with a pop artist, like you're not gonna create a hip hop kind of video, then it's just off brand for them. Um, Do you think videographers that you've dealt with outside of Knox, obviously, mm-hmm. um, don't focus enough on the artist brand? Yeah, I mean, it goes back. If you're not, I mean, if there's like a free videographer who's doing shit for free, sometimes mm-hmm. they're just like take the same thing that they did for another artist and copy and paste it. Like right. the same kind of recap video. Like there's no originality and there's no creativity. It's just like, they just want to get it done just to say that they did it and like have that on their portfolio. Um, but I also don't want to diss my videographers. I mean, that's, that's where oh, I, the community is community. That's, 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 that's where I grew up. Nah, that's man. Like the voice of nah, the community. I'm the you voice know, of the can, community. You can, uh, <laughs> I'm the voice of the voice. You can, you know, but anyway, I was, I'm done priding you. I try, I tried, but, uh, <laughs> and, and, blah, blah, blah. In, my, <laughs> in my experience with videographers, um, yeah, I'm curious. The emails that I get, the people that reach out most of the time, um, really don't necessarily, Obviously, outside of Knox, I'm not just saying that I think you guys mm-hmm. do this, um, but they don't necessarily know what they have in mind for the artist when they reach out. Yeah, it's they more just, it's more so like y'all got money. We got cameras. Mm-hmm. What can like how can we work? Right? Yeah, exactly. But I do think that um, if somebody comes at a table like, like I've seen what this content looks like in the past. Yeah. Here's how you guys can improve it. I think that would just blow me away. Yeah, yeah. And not many people do that, but that would literally blow me away. Sort of you know what I mean? Find areas where the artist isn't doing right. The right I get so many emails of packages where you go on, you go on the website, and then you just pay for a package, and then videographers show yeah. up. You know what I mean? That's a, yeah. And that's obviously a hustle. I'm not yeah. knocking that hustle. People get paid like that all the time, but I do think. Um, the more strategic you can be about any of your content, the better. So somebody comes in to that experience already with some sort of strategy mm-hmm. on this is what we've seen so far. This is how we can make you better. Game over. Take all the money. Yeah, take, take all. all my money. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's, what's your what's your hot take on like free videographers? Have you got any? Have, have anybody offered free work? I know yeah, that's like they offer free work, but yeah. but um, 
We got to see the work that they've done in the past. You know, we've had free videographers that started mm-hmm. off free and then we paid them. But I yeah. think that's generally the that's generally it. how it goes. I think when people reach out and they say free, it means free this time. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And if we, you're doing free work multiple times. and Right. And we know that. We yeah. know that. Um, it's worked out well sometimes. It hasn't other times. Some, you know, sometimes people just want to do it to expand their portfolio. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's a, re- it's a true value exchange. It's like, yeah, you can shoot for free if you want to put this on your website. Yeah, yeah. We'll let you put it on your website. Um, so in that situation, I'm not like too worried because they're going to want to kill it for themselves. Yeah. So they obviously have a lot of motivation because mm. this is what's going to represent them. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, but. And there's also another type of videographer that just wants to help with the artist specifically. They're like, I just want to help. Just let me do what I can do. Like, I'll yeah. help. Um, that can be that can be okay too, but like I said, it depends. It de- at least in my opinion, it depends on um why they want it, why they want to do it, and yeah. why they'll do it for free. You know, so you don't want a fanboy just fucking phone run your artists, right? That's right. not good either, right? Like I, you know, and if you're awkward. if you're reaching out and you got and you want to shoot with your iPhone for free, that that's a little different yeah, yeah. than like if you're a videographer and want to put something in your portfolio yeah. or yeah, yeah. you want to be a part of the team and use this as a trial period. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? One of the dopest videos you ever done that Tomorrowland recap for Black Coffee came from the dude Nick Sanders that shot it for free. Did he? Was he shooting for the festival already? Or no, no, I think he was just trying to finesse his way to get the festival passed. But yeah. he did a great job shooting. I mean, I have mixed feelings on free work. I mean, generally, for, yeah. I mean, I think it's. I mean, I think you alluded to this, and when you were talking about like how a lot of time, I mean, even the root of this is like videographers don't generally focus enough on the artist brand when creating content. I think there's a difference between like a one-off videographer versus like an ongoing content effort. And I think if you're already talking about somebody that's like free, that per your point, it's going to be this like one-off content shoot. And if you're already from off the bat, just thinking about like, what's a one-off videographer here, there, it it Mm -hmm. likely isn't laddering back into this like very cohesive strategy where you're really trying to like push forward this narrative around an artist. So I think at the foundation, like fill in the strategy. And even for us, some of the artists we work with are like touring a lot. So maybe it doesn't make sense to, to pay to fly out the videographer. Maybe we just hire somebody locally rather than spend. But I also think that hiring somebody locally is still coming from the brain that is Knox. You know what I mean? Right. No, but so I think that, that I'm, I'm saying that's valuable if it does ladder back to a strategy. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. I'm advocating for that approach from right. a certain extent. Right. Yeah. Where I'd say it doesn't work when you're just tapping local videographers is if if it's not coming back from a strategy, like if we're working with especially a local Especially if it's free. Yeah. Especially yeah. if it's free, you, you know? Get, and even then too, it's like, you got, like we're developing briefs. We have a very clear run of shows. You were mentioning yeah. too, some people just don't even know what they want to create. It's like yeah. for us, it's like every time we're going into a shoot, we already have a very clear idea of exactly what we're looking to yeah. capture and create coming out of that shoot. And I right. think all videographers should be thinking of that every shoot. Pre-production. Yeah. Pre-production. Yeah. Run like shows big. for days. Research, <laughs> run of shows, concepts, treatments, all that stuff. It's, yeah. it's important. Yeah. And aligning with the client is, once you get that aligned with the client too, that's like, that's big. Yeah. So that you're beautiful all moment. That's it. Beautiful moment. Cool. Well, well dope. Matt, thanks for coming it. out. Great, <laughs> great to work with you. Great to have you on the podcast, man. Let's get it. How do people get, how do people get to Knox? Where they go? We are Knox.co.co. Or just hit us up on the email, contact at wearenox.co. Bang, bang. Or there just follow go. us on Instagram, Matthew Legati. 
Or just email <laughs> paper, paper, paper. Yeah. <laughs> to contact at weoutnights.co. We got the Instagram. Five seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you All so right. much. Peace. Man, I was into that, bro. Yeah, I, I know, I obviously, it. some of the questions that I asked him, you both could kind of answer since you're both the partners. But, you know, at some point, I kind of just took lead on the questions because I was getting so into into his creative mindset in terms of just videography in general. You know, one of my clients is a YouTube series right now where we're trying to figure out ways to keep people engaged. And even just what he said about every video, the first three seconds, keeping people engaged, having a solid middle to, to bridge the gap between the beginning and the end and then having the end really close it out strong. You know, I, I literally was thinking of ways to do that with this YouTube series I'm, th- I'm talking about right now, like while we were listening to him talk about that. So yeah. um, definitely very informative for me. Yeah, for sure. No, I loved, loved it a lot. Uh, obviously, get to work with him super closely. So really cool to hear him talk about his approach to more at, at a deeper level. I think for you guys listening, like, take note. Even if you can't afford a videographer or a team, like, doesn't mean you can't create content. You could get nimble. I mean, the, the cost of producing content has gone down drastically. You can reach people by posting online via social media. If you're being creative around the type of content you're creating, proactively engaging on other people's content you could get in front of new people build fans and that can literally be the foundation to a successful and sustainable career so content matters hope you were able to walk away with some pretty tactical ways in which you can better execute upon a content strategy for for you your business your artist and with that said we appreciate y'all um don't hesitate to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast and we will be back um, in the new year, baby. There it is. There Let's it is. Let's do it. Thank y'all so much. Happy holidays. <laughs>